Welcome to the Hunting for Purpose podcast, the official podcast home for all human design manifestors. I'm your host, Holly Marie, a 4-6 clinic manifester, a certified human design teacher, and a manifester who is following her own creative urge to facilitate a thriving global community of aligned, powerful manifestors. Wherever you are at in your manifester journey, or even if you are here just because you love a manifester and you want to understand them a little bit more, this podcast is the place for you. Stick around for in-depth teaching, for real-life practical tips and understandings of the manifester journey, and how to become aligned and powerful and thriving as a manifester. You are here for global impact. You are here to change the world. The time is now. The journey is yours. This podcast is your home. Welcome back to another episode of the Hunting for Purpose podcast. My name is Taylor V and I have the pleasure of delivering another episode to you. It is my honor to co-host and this particular episode I'm particularly excited about because um, if you're in the Manifestor Network Facebook group, you know that I kind of pulled the audience a little bit to see what would be really beneficial for you all um, as it relates to emotional authority. Now, 51% of the population, according to human design statistics, have emotional authority. So by no means are we, quote unquote, by ourselves in this as manifestors. But I do think it is uh, fundamentally different. Uh, because we're manifestors. And I want to get into that a little bit today. But also, I just want to talk about what it's like to navigate that as manifestors. I think it's different for us as manifestors, one, because we often carry some wounding around the mishandling of our energy, whether that's being mishandled or mishandling ourselves, mishandling our ability to initiate and our opportunity to get things done without needing or depending on someone else's energy that's very powerful. And sometimes we've used that to do what other people want us to do or to keep other people happy. And that has left us depleted. And so riding your emotional wave, while it's it's nice theoretically, could mean that your relationship dynamics may change. So I think it's it's vulnerable for us to navigate our emotional authority. I think it's um, it takes just a lot of courage. I think um, is important to just caveat this entire episode with. And when you listen to it, and when I talk about it, I also want to inform you that this kind of work is the one of the fundamental pieces of deconditioning within human design. So. The process of deconditioning or releasing the aspects of yourself that were never meant to be there, that aren't true for you, that aren't authentic to the way that you're made, that process is executed by following your strategy and your authority. And as a manifester, our strategy is to initiate and we get that done through informing other people. Um, And our authority could be one of many, but in this particular episode, we're going to talk about emotional authority. So... This is not just a nice to do or nice to have. Understanding your emotionality or your emotional authority and how that impacts your decisions is fundamental to anything that you're going to want to get done, particularly if you want to do it in a way that um, honors the way that you're made or, or your design. So that is the kind of the preface that I want to start this episode with because I want us to have some reverence for 
the magnitude of the mission in this uh, in this episode. It's not a lightweight. It's not a short discussion. Um, it's very much an experiential discussion, and that's why it's something that inside of um, the program that I offer. Um, called Offer Obsession, inside of there, it really is about breaking this down and looking at your individual chart and seeing how your emotional authority or any authority that you have for that matter impacts your decision-making process, in particular, creating offers and making money. Um, But even outside of the context of making money and making decisions, um, excuse me, outside of the context of making money, fundamentally, we're just talking about making decisions, about changing the course of our lives. And that is not a small conversation and nor can that be, um, nor can we capture the entirety of that in a, in one podcast episode. So if, if you are approaching the process of developing a relationship with your emotional authority from the perspective of if I just understand it a little bit more, then I'll be able to do it. Then I won't have a problem. Then I encourage you to re-listen to the first three minutes of this podcast. It is not, this is the initiator for deconditioning. This is the parts where we start peeling away the habits and the behaviors that you have spent years invested in developing. You've had really good reasons as a human to develop your habits. You aren't the way you are because it didn't work for you it's been effective at something and so if you're going to say i'm going to step back and i'm going to start using my emotional authority in order to change the way i experience my life please know that you are going to be um, tapping on the nerve endings of of habits and and programming that has served you in some way and so you will need to be willing to be vulnerable and to address that as it comes up and that fundamentally might be why you're having trouble navigating emotional authority is if you're unwilling to be that vulnerable to be that raw with yourself to to practically tell people no or to tell yourself no or to to decline offers that at one point you would have rationally or very logically accepted those are the kinds of things that that come up when we start navigating our authority so that's the first like caveat or the first preface I just want to set the tone with is like this is not this is not um it's simple but it doesn't make it easy you know it's straightforward but that doesn't make it comfortable um okay so one of the things to keep in mind about emotional authority is that emotions are fuel to take action not necessarily just to make decisions. So when we say you're emotional, like you're waiting for clarity, you're waiting for clarity to make decisions, not necessarily because you don't know what action to take. It's, it's a subtle distinction, but I'll, I'm going to try to say it um, just a little bit more clearly. We are, when we say, I, okay, I heard what someone offered to me or what someone informed me about, or I I have an opportunity in front of me, but I'm going to wait for emotional clarity. I am delaying the decision, not just the action to do that thing. In delaying the decision, what I get is a clarity about what is the actual decision? What is the real opportunity in front of me? What will this actually cost me? That is very different than just saying an opportunity is in front of me and I want to do it. And so I'm just going to wait until I feel okay doing it. 
That's not riding your emotional wave. That's not navigating your emotional authority. Navigating your emotional authority is I see something in front of me or something has been offered to me. What I'm going to do is use my emotional center, my space of awareness. I've come into awareness about this thing. Now I'm going to sit with it so that I can gain clarity about what is actually in front of me. See, if you're going to hold on to your interpretation of what was in front of you, then you haven't actually left the now. In human design, we say there's no truth in the now. What that really means to me, as I interpret it to you today, is that the first pass, the it's kind of like the, the book, Don't Judge a Book by Its Cover. It's like opportunities show up to people who have emotional authority and our, our temptation or tendency is to judge it by its initial presence. And then we attempt to take what we interpreted, that initial judgment, to our emotional authority and wait out while maintaining that judgment. But emotional clarity is about being able to see that thing clearly for what it actually is to you, what it will actually require of you, which means you have to be willing to release your initial judgment of it. That's how you say there was no truth in the now for me. There is only a truth that I have clarified over time. So it's important that this isn't just a, that we shift from thinking that, oh, if somebody says, would I like to go, you know, would I like to have steak for dinner, that an emotional authority might, if you're not aware of it, you might say, oh, I don't think I want to have steak, but let me sit with it. You could Another way to think about that is, if I sit with this long enough, it might occur to me that what they're really asking is to spend time with me. And I actually have already decided that I'm, you know, going to not eat beef right now. So I actually don't want steak, but I do want to clarify that I would like to spend time with them. So then once I am clear about whatever that is, let's just say I reached clarity, what I might say back to them, what I might inform back to them is, I would love to have dinner with you, but can we go somewhere that has fish? I'd like to go somewhere that has fish. You're not actually asking, you're just informing back. You're initiating more into the experience. Now, it is, it's nuanced because you might think emotional authority is just trying to pick between the options that people give you. But if we live our, if we live that way as manifestors, then we live constrained to the awareness of other people. But as manifestors, fundamentally, we are not creating or initiating strictly from what someone else is aware of. As a matter of fact, our initiations come from what others are are currently unaware is necessary or unaware is required. I can't tell you how many times I have um, come back to a conversation and informed about my desire or my plan and it changes or initiates the person in front of me that says, oh, if you're doing that, I want to do that. I didn't even think about that. I didn't even realize that was an option. How does that happen? That happens because what I did is I stepped away and I took the opportunity and I said, let me be clear about what's really being offered to me, not how can I just work within the parameters that they have described. Trying to work within the parameters that someone else gives you will make you a very angry manifester because it is almost like they're trying to constrain your power and Um, limit your ability to fully express who you are. It it leads, in my opinion, or from my perspective, it leads to um, 
manifestors feeling like they're not fully seen or accepted for who they are, that they're always having to down dilute or downplay their energy. But it's because they limit their informing and their initiating to the context that the person gave them when they made the request. Uh, this, I wish I could um, spend more time with you all and, and work through this. This is why I have a whole program about it because it shows up in sales conversations. It shows up in offer creation. It shows up in marketing. You know, a customer shows up and they say something to you and you try to answer their request. But if you have emotional authority, you can't trust that, you, not that you can't, it behooves you to question your original interpretation of their question, taking time away allows you to answer with greater awareness and intelligence than you would if you tried to answer them in the beginning. It's it's so powerful and so nuanced. So let me let me go here with it. This is why timing is critical. But we often make it about the timing. Say, if I just wait enough days, then I will have clarity. But timing is not what earns you the clarity. You earn your clarity. And I use the word earn intentionally because it is an emotional experience for you to process and refine and clarify the decision in front of you that you will earn that. That's not something that you feel neutral about. You don't feel... um, Oftentimes, depending on on the decision in front of you or the opportunity in front of you, you don't feel like, oh, it doesn't matter if this happens. You actually care. You probably have an investment in or a you probably have an idea of an action you might want to take. You might think it's a good idea. It may initially seem like something you'd really want to do. So it's not like the the waiting for clarity is this passive experience that, oh, I'm just waiting for a notification on my phone to let me know that I'm clear. No, there's probably some emotionality happening on the inside of you. And if you can stay in it, and stop trying to see it, but just stay in it, what you'll find is that you earn the clarity that you receive on the other end. And by earn, I mean, when you ride both the highs and the lows of that experience, you get a perspective about the actual cost of the decision in front of you. So it informs how you take action because you are more aware of what was actually presented, what it will actually cost you, how your energy will actually be used. And then you can make a decision that actually serves you instead of comes at your expense. So the timing is about giving ample space to that process. It's about putting the clock on hold and saying, I'll be here until I'm clear, not about wait three days and I will for sure know. It's I will be here until I have something to offer you that that does not come at the expense of my peace. So timing is critical to this because timing is the metric that we're using to attempt to communicate to you that you're going to need to be okay being here in this space, in that, in the wave of it for however long it requires. Not to say that you should figure out how to make your process mechanical. So it allows you to clarify by, by when you're waiting in the, in the, for the timing of it, when you're waiting for the clarity and the time is passing, what you're doing is developing the discernment and the capacity to enact and endure the decision that you make. So remember, when you are pro, uh, when an opportunity is proposed to you, you 
take that in to your emotional authority. And what you're really doing is refining or clarifying the decision in front of you. They offered steak, but what I'm really seeing in front of me is an opportunity to connect with a friend. And I bet the steak isn't the point. What might actually be the point is this type of atmosphere and I want to eat fish. And when I really clarify what's in front of me, when I see that thing clearly, because I've kind of been in turmoil about all of the different aspects that could be um, at play here, what I realize is that I'm actually willing to do, you know, one, two, and three things that I didn't even realize it would require of me before. I'm willing to do those things because my decision is I want to spend time. I'm going to spend time with this person this evening. And here's what I will need to do to be able to do that in a way that doesn't come at the expense of my peace. You would never get all of that if you're still trying to talk about whether you're going to eat steak tonight or not. That was never the point. So timing is about you developing the discernment and the capacity to do what you decide and to endure your decision. So as soon as you make the decision, you then have access to your the ability to act on it. If you don't ride the wave, you don't develop the, the strength, if you will, or the endurance, the internal capacity to follow through on it. Because you didn't assess the cost. You weren't aware of what it would actually require of you. This is something that I think is um, not talked about enough in business and particularly in the, in the process of making money. It can take emotional authorities longer for us to clarify some of the decisions that are in front of us. Doesn't mean that the action, the ability to act is not delayed. It's the clarity that we need to act in a way that serves us and maintains our peace or prioritizes our peace, that is what is that delays our process in some way. You, I've noticed for myself when I was creating Offer Obsession that it took me a while to figure out the decisions that I needed to make. But once I made them, it was very quick for me. I originally created Offer Obsession to be um, kind of a one-on-one coaching package and it was really fun and I've, I've done it in a four month, I've done it in an intensive with people and, and it's all been effective for them, but they've all those containers have also been expensive emotionally and energetically for me. So I've restructured it to have some more passive elements to it, but it took time for me to get to the place where I could ask myself the kinds of questions that changed the offer in a way that now it actually serves me. If I would have thought that my emotional authority was about trying to decide if I was going to do the offer, then I would have missed the point. See, my my program was an urge that I have. It it fills a void that many people may not even recognize that they have. That that's what an urge is. It's a divine deposit of desire to produce something that may have never been seen before or has never been delivered in that way before. It is not dependent on other people being aware that it's necessary. But in acting or clarifying how to implement said urge is a series of decisions and that process is where the time comes in it it requires you to to really assess how do I want to deliver this so super practical example I told you I created offer obsession it used to be an accelerator that was three months long then it was a or excuse me it was an intensive then it became an accelerator and now I've switched it into a 
Um, it's still, it will be delivered as a self-paced course with group coaching and some human design workshops in it. We're still doing the same thing. The urge has not changed, but the deliverable continues to be clarified over time as I continue to be um, become more and more aware of what is being asked of me and how can I serve at the scale that I would like to, that I feel compelled to, that I have the urge to. When I, when I tune back into what was the urge, what was the magnitude of this mission, then I can take the decisions back to my authority and say, how do I how do I think about this differently? How do I, what is really being required of me here? How do I, how do I offer my clients the, the initiating energy in a way that doesn't feel quite as draining or consuming as it once did? How can I package this in a way that is sustainable um, and desirable for me? Now, those are the questions that came to me over time. It, you could just say, well, obviously you're a manifester. That's the question. But not every urge needs to be sustained. So you wouldn't even know to ask that question. If you just say, well, everything needs to be sustainable or everything needs to be passive, you're oversimplifying your manifester experience. And it can cost you, one, your peace. But also, I think that's where a lot of manifestors struggle to make money is they try to create every urge in the way that they heard manifestors need to work instead of saying is this something that was intended to be sustainable if so then the questions I need to ask about that thing are very different than something that I'm willing to do one time one time does not need to be sustainable in the same way that something that might be a signature experience or a signature course could be so Remember that when you are also waiting for clarity, it is not because you're confused and it's not because you are incapable of recognizing good ideas. I don't want you to suspend your intelligence or your wisdom or your lived experience because you now are following your emotional authority. It is using, you You actually get access to your wisdom. You actually get access to your lived experience. You get access to your intelligence in the waiting, in the staying in it. You become clear because you have the time and space for your awareness of an opportunity to connect with the awareness that you have that you've collected over time and in that there is a clarity that emerges what you are not waiting for is certainty there is no um you're not waiting for a guarantee that this will be successful and the reason why is because the success is for a manifester and we want to be careful here because projector signature experience is success so that's not what we're talking about but measuring the effectiveness might be another way to say that of the urge has to do with clarifying the urge not with figuring out what society has determined as effective so a coaching practice or a coaching course selling having a six-figure launch is one definition of an effective launch strategy or sales um, sales strategy, but that may not be the urge that you had. That may not be the point of the urge that you had. And so that's why you need, that's where the benefit of waiting out your emotional authority is. You get to clarify what is this actually about for me? And then we figure out how do we use your gifts, talents, and abilities to tailor the way that you deliver it in a way that ensures it's effective for the urge that you have, not for what that urge looks like here in society. So you don't get certainty, though. You don't get a guarantee that um, everything's going to be perfect. Urges don't necessarily... um, 
riding your emotional wave doesn't mean that everyone is going to like it. That's another thing. It's not about, oh, I'm certain everybody's going to be okay with this now. They may not be okay with it and you can still be very clear. One of the things that came up in the group uh, chat or the, excuse me, the comment thread when I was going through this is the idea that am I waiting for neutrality? Like I'm waiting for me to get to the place where I'm a little less um, I'm uninvested or unattached to kind of the outcome. And I, I think I've used that term before and I've heard others use that term. But lately I've been liking this language. What you're waiting for in the clarity is a soberness. You're waiting for sobriety. What I mean by that is if you've been in the wave and you've been processing the depths and the widths and the heights and and exactly what this will cost you and all of the demands that this could place on you and is there desire on your part? Is there not desire? What is this worth opportunity worth to you? What are they really asking for? What is what's really important to you? If you're processing all of that, you'll get to the place where you feel sober, meaning you haven't sold yourself that it's this this um experience or opportunity that is going to save your life and make it make you anything but human it's not a savior anymore and when you're sober you're not you're also not thinking that it's going to ruin your life you recognize your own resilience you you recognize your possibility and your own and your own ability to recover from things and you can see where you can um manage the risk your ability to care and take responsibility for your experience is clearer because you're sober your judgment is different because you're sober not necessarily neutral meaning it's not that you don't care it's not that this opportunity doesn't mean anything to you. It's more so I I want to do this or I don't want to do this. And I am prepared to live through the, the actual experience, the real experience of my decision. I'm willing to walk out the action or inaction of this experience. Not because I want everything to to be awful for myself or I'm not trying to make things difficult and I'm also not trying to make things exponentially better. I'm just prepared to live this out. There is a soberness about how your life is still going to be your life on the other side of this decision. Emotional authority is incredibly, incredibly difficult to um, navigate if you are thinking that by getting to clarity, you somehow get to surpass your humanity. You don't. You still stay human. And sometimes that is the problem. (laughs) I'm joking. But that's the challenge, right? Is that you can go through this process and at the end of the day, you're still going to be human. The opportunity still is not going to make you someone that you're not. And it's not going to make you more of who you are. You are who you are. And this could be great. Or it might be something that you want to pass on. So we're not waiting for certainty. We're waiting for clarity. And I like to think about that clarity as an expression of sobriety. There is a soberness that you have. Not a not a negativity. Not, an op, uh, like not a naive uh, positivity. It's just a maybe a radical acceptance. Um of what's in front of you and an acceptance of your responsibility and your power in taking action or take not taking action another point that was a bit unclear for for the commenters in the thread was what does ride the wave mean so if you think about like an ekg machine um 
they go like living is up and down, right? Like the line goes up and down. Um, if you if you're not familiar with an EKG machine, let's think about it like um, waves, right? Like you want to ride the waves, meaning you want to experience the highs and the lows. There is information in both. There's there's more awareness at the depths of your decision as there is at the height of your decision. At the most positive moments, there is a there is an awareness that's available to you that contributes to you clear to your clarity. At the low, at your most negative, where the sight line is the is the least there is a clarity that's available to you there and in that collective experience if you're willing to go high and you're willing to go low and you're willing to stay in this for as long as it takes for you to be sobered about it then what you'll find is that that experience was not a smooth stable thing it was it, it was emotional it there was a wave present the other reason why we think about waves is that the emotional center that is connected to another center is is connected by a channel and those um those channels operate within circuits or themes and so there is we we describe that circuitry or the way the energy moves in and out of the emotional center as waves so there are tribal waves there are three different types i want to say don't quote me on that. I'm having a mind blink right now. But there's tribal, individual, and collective waves. And I'm not going to take the time to break down each individual one here, but I want you to know that each type of wave flavors the experience that you have. If you have multiple waves, then you will probably experience multiple experiences when it comes to getting to a place of clarity about the opportunity in front of you. Like a like a beach wave, let's take as an example, there are swells, there are wind waves, there are tsunamis. And similarly, the three different types have different characteristics. So some, you know, kind of build over time and then what, what we, we might call snap. Others kind of just undulate and it's a little more subtle. Um, all of that is in my opinion, requires a great deal of self-awareness. And before you can even really identify that, you you really need to be able to separate out your own awareness of how, hmm, your own awareness of your own conditioning. What I mean by that is if you are a person who is not practiced at exercising your emotional authority, particularly in relationships and taking um, taking action, then rather than trying to time your wave per se first, not saying that there's no value in that, but rather than trying to time your wave first, it might be helpful to just say there's an opportunity in front of me and I feel this way about it. And then notice how long you have a clear feeling about it not so much whether it's a high feeling or a low feeling or how long the feelings last but or how long each feeling is but stay in it by that i mean stay in the awareness of the opportunity that you're riding the wave about one of the things that i that i see that trips people up when it comes to riding their wave or staying in their emotional authority is they think that they need to kind of like set it and forget it and then wait for like a phone notification to let them know, okay, I'm clear now. Now make a decision. It's safe. It's been three days. But really staying in it is about allowing it to capture your awareness, both consciously and unconsciously, to, to sit in your awareness until, it, until the energy around it 
becomes clear. And you can't do that if mentally you're like, I can't even think about that right now because I haven't waited long enough. Or I got to put that off. I just need to listen. I'll text you all back in three hours and then I'm just going to forget about it. Like, um, it's not that those are not great tactics, but internally, if you're constantly trying to numb out from the emotionality of your experience because you don't want to feel what it's like to really want it, or you don't want to explore the disappointment of not having it, or you don't want to to, um, experience maybe the anger that rides up at the request even being made of you. If you don't want to feel all of that, then you also forfeit the clarity of the wave because the clarity of the wave is that. That's where the clarity is. It's all of that. So staying in it is like choosing to remain conscious of your experience instead of choosing to numb out about what's in front of you. So until you can just kind of stomach it and grin and bear it, that's not the goal. The goal is that you would develop the capacity to enact and endure your decision. And you don't develop that if you just close your eyes and say, call me back when when I'm clear. That's like, call me back when it goes away. The goal isn't for it to go away. It's for you to, of soberness, be able to say, I'm at peace. And acting in this way won't cost me my peace. The other thing that comes up um, in the thread that I'm working within is the wave versus the urge. So the Emotional waves or your emotional authority has to do with your authority. Every type, manifestor, projector, generator, reflector, all of them have authorities. And that just depends on um, the definition within their chart. Is it a splenic center? Is it an emotional center? So when we say riding your wave, what we're talking about is your decision-making process. We're talking about how you navigate um life really is through your strategy and your authority but when we talk about an urge that is specific to the manifester experience in this way the manifester works on a rest creative tension i know in in the manifester mastery certification we talk about it as a cycle you have a rest cycle and you have a creative cycle in the rest cycle you have less energy you're you're retreating you're recovering and that's typically 80 percent of the time and then in your creative uh, period it's more like 20 percent of the time and you have all of the energy and you can sometimes even um you don't really get a whole lot of heads up around how long that will last but Outside of even that cycle, there is an urge. There's this, what I call like a divine deposit of clarity about what must be initiated, what must be created. And you ride your wave on how to do that, on the decisions that are involved in doing that. The wave isn't the urge. The wave is how you do that, how you enact, how you deliver the urge in a way that doesn't come at the expense of your peace in a way that maintains your process, that takes care of you. That's what the wave is about. The urge is about delivering what you're here to deliver. It's about you as a as a being, as a manifester, here to manifest or initiate something. That's what that's about. But the, Im- the implementation of that is going to vary based on your authority. The... 
other, the thing that can sometimes be confused here, which we're not going to go too far down the urge cat, um, conversation because that's a bit off topic, but what happens when there's an absence of urges? If you're not getting urges and therefore you're kind of like thinking that every idea that comes up, you're taking it through your wave, that could be why your urges are diminished. Like you're not really able to clarify the difference between an emotional wave and an urge. Your urges require you to have been rested, for you to have been nourished and nurtured, for your being to be in a position to actually receive it. So if you're not positioned to receive an urge, because remember, an urge is like a divine deposit of desire. It, it comes with a clarity. It comes with a picture, if you will. Maybe not a clarity about how to implement it or about the decisions that will need to be made, but it comes with a clarity about what it is. It's like, oh, this is for me to do. And I'm not confused about that. It, it's visceral in a way. But if you aren't a person that is resting, and typically we could go back to, if you're not a person who is accustomed to riding your waves and you allowing your decision-making process to, to take care of you, to, to protect your being, then you aren't in a position to receive urges. And so... Your emotional authority is about making sure that your body remains nourished and nurtured and positioned to receive an urge, that it has the capacity not just to receive it, but also to endure and enact it. One of the one of the challenges that can sometimes be present when we are talking about navigating an urge with an emotional authority is what happens when you have waning interest. And there's a couple of ways we could look at this, right? So if you have an urge to do something and, and you're kind of holding it and then you start losing interest in it, one, you could be going into um, maybe a rest cycle where, remember, 80% of the time we're kind of at rest and then 20% of the time there is this fuel to act. So it could be that you are headed out of this kind of creative space and now you're in more of a rested space and you just need to maybe table the urge for a period of time. But remember, that would likely be clear because you have emotional authority and in the decision-making process, you're, you're accounting for where you're at. That's why the, the emotional processing is important because there are factors that only become aware that you only become aware of in the processing of it. So you could have waning interest because you're leaving kind of this creative space and headed into maybe a deep rest space, or you could have um, waning interest because you stayed in your wave long enough and it is clear that it you don't have the same investment in it that you originally thought you did. It was a good idea and it's not something that you're invested in. It's not something you want to give your energy to in the way that you did originally. And so you, you'll know that by the process that you were present for. If you weren't riding out your emotional wave on this and you weren't choosing to be in it, then I don't know if you took it to your authority at all. So it would be hard to say that that's clarity for you, right? If you are, you know, if you felt clear, you did ride your wave and you had clarity and you had, you were making decisions and all of a sudden you're, you feel clear about the decisions, but you just lack the energy to enact them. It's like, I thought that I would have more gusto, then maybe you're just headed into a rest cycle and it's time to check back in with your authority about, is this something for now or is this something for later? If it's for now, how do I create more support around that? If it's for later, how do I 
preserve this in a way that allows me to revisit it at a future date. Another concern that comes up is opportunity passing. So my question is, if you are waiting until for neutrality, you could notice, you might notice that opportunity passes. The reason why is because the goal of an emotional wave is not to get you to the point where you just don't care. So if you're waiting for yourself to not care, then it makes sense that probably the trigger for that is an opportunity passing. If it just, if it times out, then I I would imagine that makes sense for you to kind of get to a neutral place. Um, I think it could be helpful in this particular question about opportunity passing when you have emotional authority and needing to wait it out to say, we're not waiting for you to not be invested anymore. We're waiting for your investment to be conscious, that you are giving conscious consent to use your energy to produce or to continue or to to create, initiate that thing. And if you're not waiting for that, if you're waiting to not care, then you'll you'll miss that you have an active role. You're a doer as a manifester. You have an active role in that thing happening, that opportunity happening. So if you're not um, waiting for you to decide if that's a place that you're, um, I guess, compelled or called to to contribute your energy to and you're just waiting for it to become neutral to you or to them I think opportunity passing is is just a a byproduct that that's just an easy way to summarize what happened the opportunity passed for you but it also passed for them um it's easy to get stuck because of uncertainty and waning interest and here's what I would say to that Uncertainty is something that we'll have to get familiar with as humans, not just as manifestors. I think when we begin to own that clarity is not the same thing as certainty, clarity is at the level of awareness that I'm at, here's what I am committed to doing. Certainty is I know this will work because it will work or I know because I am certain. This is what it is because I am certain. You don't, we don't get certainty for what we're initiating. What we get is clarity that I'm willing to be in this. I'm willing to give my energy to this. And I'm open to what could be, what could be on the other side of this. That's why I go back to sobriety and not neutrality. It's a soberness. This, this could very well work out. And it has risk. Or it's emotionally expensive or it's relationally expensive and I want to do it anyway or I'm prepared to do that anyway or I've accounted for that in some way. The last thing I want to talk about is what happens when it seems like life decided. I'm going to say this with as much compassion as I can muster and I will also put the caveat on it that this is something that I have gone through and probably will continue to go through um, on some level because I'm human. And so I know that many of you will be able to relate to this. But particularly as manifestors, we re- we really need, in, in all of this, need to be very careful about positioning ourselves as victims of our design, victims of our life, victims of our authority. You have a choice to, oh, and and victims of our urges. 
If you choose to follow your urges, that's your choice. There are people who receive urges and ignore them. And there's a life that comes with that. And that life that comes with it is not objectively bad. It's just their life that doesn't include following their urges. So if you're a person who chooses to experiment with your design, even so far as to consider your authority in your decisions or to to explore when do I have a divine deposit of desire, that is a choice that you're making from your sovereignty. It's not a choice that's happening to you. We aren't a victim of of our design, we, we choose to engage our life this way. So while yes, there are forces that are happening, we're not in control of everyone and everything, we are in control of our being at the level of awareness that we have. Now I do understand that within human design, there's, there's a concept of choicelessness, meaning we are made the way we are made, meaning whether you believe that you chose to be a manifester or whether you believe that you you were just made a manifester, however you want to look at that, there is an inherent, like you're working within the confines of your design, if that makes sense. But how you use that de- design is your choice. So if you're going to be somebody who chooses to acknowledge their emotional authority or chooses to in- integrate the practice of following your emotional authority when it comes to making decisions, own that full experience. Own that there will be things that you miss out on as you develop a better relationship with your emotional authority. Own that there are things that you will intentionally not do because you've chosen to follow your emotional authority. You are not a victim of not doing those things. You are choosing not to do them because you want to follow your emotional authority. If you can own that, you will you will likely become a less angry and resentful manifester because you are operating within your power instead of seeing yourself as limited by your design. You were not made to be held back. If anything, you were made to to spend time to recognize just how powerful you are. And if if following your emotional authority matters enough, if you if you deem it valuable enough to explore or experiment with, then in other words, you're also saying that there's some value in the things that I will miss on the way. And when you can own that, there's a peace, there's a sobriety, there's a clarity that comes with that. I hope this episode was helpful. I'm going to teach a um, maybe like a mini masterclass, if you will, on decision making and using your authority and human design to help you make decisions, but specifically money making decisions, because I think that that is um, a very specific um, concern that that keeps popping up when it comes to making offers, having your own business, marketing that business, clarifying your messaging. How do you make money making decisions based on your human design authority? It's a slam dunk. If you have emotional authority, it's, it's something you should definitely sign up for. It's the link to doing that or to access that is going to be in the show notes for you. And I personally cannot wait for you to hear how, what you think about this episode, but also I hope that you'll check out the masterclass that I've created for you because I think that one of the most practical ways that we as manifestors can display our power is in what we, what we are able to make, what we are able to decide and create. And I don't think that money is um, 
exclusive of that experience. So that just makes knowing your emotional authority and and being willing to navigate that even more important. All right. I think that's good for now. If you have any questions, put them in the Manifestor Network community. If you have feedback or you want to dialogue or you want to let me know what you think, I would love it if you shared it on your stories and tagged me at hello Taylor V on Instagram. And then of course, please sign up for my little mini masterclass so that we can uh, take this work a little bit deeper. All right. Y'all have a good one. Talk soon. Thank you so much for spending a little bit of time with us today in another episode of the Hunting for Purpose podcast. We so enjoy having you here and whether you are listening to my insights or the wisdom of one of our other incredibly talented manifesto specialists, we really truly hope that you have taken away power, transformation and wisdom about your own manifesto magnificence. Before you go and switch off, we would be so humbly grateful if you could take the time to either leave a podcast review right on the platform that you're listening to, or if you feel like it, please do a share across your social media. We love to hear how each of the episodes is impacting you, and we love to provide an opportunity for you to inform us via social media. So please share a story or a post about this episode and tag us at The Manifesto Community. Until next time, please, Manifestors, keep hunting for purpose.